0: Everyday struggles are normal in marriage. Maybe he forgot to take the trash out, or she didn't have the meal ready on time. But for some of you, it's not about the trash or the meal. It's something more serious. Here's Laura's story.
1: Disability really is, it's very tough in a marriage and anyone that's, that's been through that, even if it's a, a short-term thing, knows that it's just hard. And for a while, we really saw it as being, that's the problem in our marriage. And and for me, I guess it was a couple years ago when I realized that Martin's disability isn't, isn't the problem in our marriage. Our sin is the problem in our marriage.
0: You know, life is tough. And when you put two sinners together in marriage, it's even tougher. Today, we're going to give you some tips on going the distance in your marriage. Stay tuned to Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. A couple of years ago, I got to go on a cruise. Now, before you say, oh... I worked the entire time, and I came back pasty white because I was underneath the deck the entire time. It's because I'm single, and I went on a family life, love like you mean it, marriage cruise. So can I get a collective? Thank you. Thank you. That's what I needed. Well, the one thing I was surprised by was the number of couples who attended the love like you mean it marriage cruise year after after year, after year. Now, of course, the warm weather and the sun and the time away was all part of it, but a big part for many was building into their marriage because they want their marriage to go the distance. So today I'm going to take you on a cruise, or at least let you hear a little bit of what the folks on the boat heard. You see, this is really good stuff. This is solid biblical content that encouraged them, so I'm hoping will encourage you. One of the speakers that folks get to hear regularly is Gary Thomas. Gary is an international speaker and best-selling author. In fact, you might recognize a couple of his books, Sacred Marriage, Authentic Faith, He and his wife live in Houston, Texas with their three kids. And he has run the Boston Marathon three times. So it's safe to say that he's an avid runner. Well, Gary shared a story about a pastor friend of his. And this friend really gets the idea of his vows till death do us part. Here's Gary.
2: A friend of mine um, was a pastor up in Canada, Really young man, just one of the most gifted communicators I've ever known. Things were going so well, but he was in just one of those really awful church fights that ended up in a church split, and he was out of a job. It's one of those nasty ones where there's a lot of gossip and slander, and people have to be blamed, and people were saying awful things about him, and he's a good man with a good heart, but his reputation was just kind of wrecked. So he found himself in a job crawling under houses for $8 an hour. He had this great vision that God was going to use him and and bless his ministry, and it's just humiliating that he can barely eke out a living. His wife is having to budget, you know, on a third of what they were living for before, and she could have gotten down on him, but she said, honey, I believe in you. I know God has a plan for you. This is a momentary reprieve. She never lost her faith in him, even with people saying ugly things about him. She was there for him the entire time, and one time Grant came home, and he was so discouraged. He was dirty, and smelly, and filthy, and Made, you know what, I don't know, 70 bucks that day. And he walks in the house and his wife hadn't heard him walk in, but he hears his wife talking on the phone and he overhears her telling one of the elders in the church, no, you can't talk to my husband. I'm his wife and I just want you to know, if you want to get to him, you have to go through me. And if you find a way to get around me, you're going to have to deal with me because he's my husband and you're not going to abuse him anymore. And Grant felt so humbled that when she could have piled on, she could have maybe even said, you know, maybe what they're saying is true, but she was there for him. She said, I was born to get you through this. And they grew together, and he grew as a believer, and God put him in a church in the United States. He was in Bellingham, Washington, and today his church is the largest church of a city that size in the United States. It has just blossomed, and God has blessed his ministry. And I was... um, Talking to one of his elders a decade ago and they were telling me, you know, we know we're going to lose him. He's too gifted. He could be paid three times what we pay him. He would be in a city that's larger where people could grow. It's hard to grow a church when you kind of push the boundaries of the population. And I know, I thought, why Grant hadn't taken up any of those offers because he was getting regular contacts. And so I called him just a year or two ago when I was working on a lifelong love. I said, hey, Grant, just between you and me, I I won't tell anybody. I, I just need to know between you and me. You see, Grant's wife, Laurel, the one who protected him, has been going steadily blind till now she is almost completely blind. And they're in a small community of Linden, Washington, where she knows their house, she knows the community, everything is set up for her. I said, I'm guessing that the primary reason you're still in Bellingham is it's really the best place for Laurel to live. Grant was silent for a long while, and he said, I can't deny that. And I love it where she said when he was down, I was born for this. His wife is down. He says, I was born for this. Before I was born to be some big shot pastor, I was born to be my wife's husband. I'm not gonna resent it that I'm stuck here in this town. He doesn't look at it that way. I'm not gonna resent it that I can't follow these opportunities because the best opportunity in my life is to be connected to my wife, to be a husband. A lot of men with big churches live with empty souls because they have distant marriages. And Grant said, I think it's better to have a pretty large church and a connected marriage and to be honoring her. Now, These are tough things, but if you write them down and if you apply them, they work. They draw us together. They take a lot of courage, but you've got to ask yourself, what do you want? What do you want out of your marriage? Do you want to just coexist? Do you want to just get by and maybe reduce the level of conflict? But do you really want to be connected as a couple? Uh, It it really comes down to, to what do you want? What do you want out of your marriage? And so often it's just a fraud that we get married to be known and accepted and then we hide. And spiritually we become resentful and we pull back from each other. But the best marriages... The best marriages are the marriages where each partner says to the other, you know what, before I'm my kid's mom or dad, before I'm my boss's employee, before I'm my company's boss, before I'm my parent's child, before I'm my hobby's addict, I am yours.
0: That's Gary Thomas with a story illustrating a marriage that goes the distance where each person dies to self. You know, during that talk, Gary also brought out the verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 17, verse 17, that says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Gary said that if it's true of a brother, then really you should be able to say that it should be even more true for a marriage facing a challenge. As Gary said, when we get married, we think the other person's beautiful and they're full of energy, they're full of life, we have a good time together, but then we get married and then they might get discouraged or they might get depressed or they might get addicted and they have a problem. Gary wanted to encourage those who heard his message that we need to know that we were born for this. Kind of like Pastor Grant said about his wife and their marriage, you need to rise to the challenge and say, I was born for this. You know, while we were on the cruise, Dennis Rainey and Bob Lapine spoke to somebody else who had to wrestle through, Was I born for this? I'm talking about Laura's story. Laura is a worship leader and she is known for her song, Blessings. She is married to Martin. They live in Atlanta and she has a little girl and twin boys. Now having three kids under the age of four is hard, but for Laura, it's even more complicated.
3: You guys went through a really challenging season yes. over the last couple of years. Tell listeners about
1: that. We have uh, about eight years ago, Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor, and he went through a couple different surgeries, and lives today with a brain injury. And that, I think, anyone that has either done life with a disability, um, mental or physical, uh, or has done life with someone with a disability, knows that it's it's just a tough road. It's, and, and marriage is marriage is hard anyway, and I think that marriage plus disability it, it definitely teaches you to rely on the Lord.
3: What are his disabilities today?
1: Oh gracious! Um, well, he has a memory, a short-term memory deficit. He um, has some balance issues. He only has fifty percent of his vision. Uh, has trouble like a kind of a time conception deficit. Trouble. He had damage to his hypothalamus, so he. Um, has trouble sensing hot and cold or full, hungry, thirsty, things like that. There's really a brain injuries are so funny because some, sometimes there's one area that isn't affected at all. Uh, like as far as his cognitive ability, he's still there. He's still the same person he's always been. Uh, but on on the other side with, with the memory, uh, it, it really it's kind of interesting. If, if you, if hopefully you'll get to meet him, he's, he's here this week, uh, but you can have a conversation with him and, and, he seems just fine
3: as a husband there's this it's built into us to want to provide protect Mm -hmm. take care of to to do all the things a husband's supposed to do is he able to embrace that and be that Mm -hmm. for you
1: well i think it it depends on what your definition of the husband being the leader you know for me i um he's the spiritual leader of our of our family because he is the lead prayer He's the lead repenter. He is far more spiritual than I will ever be. Uh, he doesn't provide for us financially, uh, but in some ways, I kind of wonder whether I really do. I, I feel like to write songs and get checks in the mail—that's really God providing for us. Mm. I, I truly see Him as as our provider. Mm. Yeah. But Mart- Martin's a, a great great man and, and no disability. It's funny, this is kind of related. I, I think for a while, you know, disability really is, it's very tough in a marriage and anyone that's, that's been through that, even if it's a, a short-term thing, knows that it's just hard. And for a while, we really saw it as being, that's the problem in our marriage. And, and for me, I guess it was a couple of years ago when I realized that Martin's disability isn't, isn't the problem in our marriage. Our sin is the problem in our marriage. And what it's not that it's a husband's job that's the problem, or it's not that it's the wife's past, it's not things like that. It's our, it's always the problem in our marriage is always our sin. Yeah. And just uh, with his disability, you know, there's times that he'll have to ask me things over and over again. And for me, I can either <laughs> get frustrated with that and, and act out because of my sin and selfishness and not wanting to be inconvenienced, or if I truly am. Um, living the way that God wants me to, I can see that as an opportunity to, to serve and honor and love my husband five more times than another wife might be able to.
3: We all have challenges that come our way. The question is, do we deal with those challenges in a, in a God honoring way or in a selfish way? Yeah,
1: absolutely.
3: And, and people have disabilities who and they have limps, you can see. Some have disabilities and limps you can't can't see. see, right. But all of those were meant to be I think used in our lives to bless us when you get married you don't get married to go through what you've been through but when we pledge when we pledge in sickness and in health it's a covenant and I admire you keeping your covenant and caring for your husband and uh, writing about it to give others hope and encouragement to do the same
1: Well, and I I think a lot of times people feel like God blesses us, you know, when He gives us that help, wealth, and prosperity. We have seen God bless us in some ways, even if it was just showing us how deeply we need God, how deeply we need Jesus at the very core of our marriage every single day.
0: that's Laura Story. Hearing her story kind of gives new light to her song, doesn't it? Laura Story's got a new book out entitled When God Doesn't Fix It. She also has a new CD out. Go to our website, familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com for more information we need to take a break but on the other side of the break we're going to hear from Vodi Bacham and i can guarantee you do not want to shut off the radio or turn off your device because Vodi is fabulous stay tuned
3: on his way out the door he looked me in the eye and said take care of your marriage
0: for Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal.
3: Now, here's the backstory. This friend of mine had come to Family Life for a series of meetings about ministering to families. He's well aware that I'm a family author and conference speaker and a licensed marriage and family therapist with nearly three decades of experience in working with couples and families, but still he said to me, Take care of your marriage. And I really respect him for it. Look, None of us are immune to temptation or have a resume that will allow us to get relationally lazy. Protecting our marriage and family relationships demands diligence, intentionality, and God's wisdom. So take care. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal.
0: To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com.
3: Couples who say they have marriage problems need to recognize it's not a marriage problem. It's It's a a God God problem. problem. We make it all
2: about us. You know where that's headed. And it's killing our marriages.
3: What would happen if marriages got it together and divorce was rare? Because there's
4: something bigger here. Who
2: are we here for?
4: There is something that your marriage represents that is far greater. We're here for a purpose. When you look at what the
3: Bible says about marriage. Marriage is about more than just you and me.
4: Very few couples say, Lord, what what do you want? Instead, they think, this is what I want, and I'm not getting it. Therefore, this thing is broken.
3: Family Life's Weekend to Remember. Our Weekend to Remember begins with the purpose of marriage as God intended it, because ultimately your marriage is not about you. It's about God. To find out more about a getaway near you, visit WeekendToRemember.com.
0: Welcome back to Family Life This Week, I'm Michelle Hill. Hey, I am taking you on a cruise today, so hopefully you maybe put on some surfboard shorts and maybe a t-shirt. Lathered up with some of your suntan lotion on and a straw hat, and maybe your sunglasses because we are aboard the Love Like You Mean It marriage cruise that Family Life puts on every year and hearing some great teaching from men and women who are encouraging us in our marriages. And one of the speakers that I really love hearing is Vodi Bauckham. I just love hearing the truth that he brings out of God's Word. Currently, he is dean of a seminary in Zambia, but before that, he and his family lived in Spring, Texas, where he was pastor at Grace Family Baptist Church. He's written lots of books, including Family Driven Faith. And Vodi is known as a straight shooter, especially when it comes to God's Word and the purpose of marriage.
4: Here is the one thing that I want to say to you today. The marriage that God wants you to have is not the one you're in right now. <laughs> Some of y'all are clapping for the wrong reasons. <laughs> you want to understand what I mean, look at Ephesians chapter 5, and let's look first at verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The most complete teaching on marriage that we find in all of Scripture is found right here in Ephesians chapter five. And in verse 32, as he comes to this conclusion and makes his summation, he says, you know, this mystery is great. And I'm telling you that it refers to Christ and the church. That's significant. So whatever it is that Paul just taught us about marriage, it points to a reality that is greater than the relationship you have with your spouse. Think about it this way. Your marriage is the picture. It's not the reality. It's the picture. There is something that your marriage represents that is far greater than anything that you and your spouse can or will ever experience in the here and the now. This is merely a foretaste. Which means that we must never pour a sense of ultimacy into our marriage relationships in the here and the now. It's wrong, it's wrong. We're all sort of beyond this, and I'm sorry if what I'm about to say bothers you. But there is much that we do in terms of weddings that point to completely wrong thinking about marriage. You say it's all about Christ, but the ceremony that you've designed has very little to do with him. And our weddings usually reflect that theological reality. And for many of us, our marriages are not about the exaltation of Christ. And so the things that we say are wrong with our wedding, you set couples down and you talk about the things that are wrong with their their marriage. And it's usually not those things that don't reflect the sense of ultimacy and where we're going, that don't reflect this Christ to whom we are going to be wed and his dealing with sin and our hatred of sin and our desire for his exaltation. It's usually not that. It's usually, this is what I want, and I'm not getting it. Therefore, this thing is broken. Finally, there's this picture of consummation. So open with me to Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse six. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory. Why? For the marriage of the Lamb has come. It's just, for the marriage of the Lamb He doesn't stop there. What's the significance of the marriage of the Lamb? Consummation. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints." What does this mean? Not only that God has judged sin, but it also means that God has brought you, if you belong to him, perfect righteousness. That's what we yearn for, perfect righteousness. For God to form in me holiness, for God to use my marriage as a sanctifying tool to make me more like Christ. That means that being miserable in your marriage does not necessarily mean that your marriage is broken, that it's over. In fact, it may mean the exact opposite. Because there are some things that only misery can grow in you. Amen? (laughs) Well, what if the misery never goes away? What if I stay married to this person and it stays miserable? There is a day coming when your misery will be no more. So, wait a minute. I'm in a marriage right now, and I'm miserable. Why? Because this person is not making me happy. Now, this person was never designed to make me happy. This person wasn't created to make me happy. That is supposed to come from Christ. But this person doesn't make me happy, so what are you going to do? I'm going to leave this person in hopes of finding another person who actually does make me happy. Well, if they don't, you're in the same misery you were before. If they do, you're an idolater. How's that working for you? Does this mean that we're hopeless? absolutely not why remember your marriage in the here and now is a picture and reflection of the marriage that God wants for you that is yet to come you don't get there by looking to your spouse this doesn't happen this doesn't work by looking to your spouse this only works by looking to our Redeemer because he is indeed our only hope.
0: Vodi Bauckham, doing what he does best and pointing us to our Savior. I could listen to him all day. In fact, if you want to hear more of Vodi Bauckham, go to our website, familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com. Hey, next week we are going to hear from Elizabeth Elliott and also Leslie Leland Fields and a few others. We're going to talk about, well, remember the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans in the Bible said something like, I do what I don't want to do. What did he mean? You know, those pesky little things that we do that aren't quite right? Well, they're really not right at all. And yet we love to do them, or we try so hard not to do them, And we just continue to flub up over and over and over again. We're going to take a look at those flub ups and maybe learn some things. That will happen next week on Family Life This Week. Hey, thanks for listening. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our station partners around the country. And a big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch. Thanks to our producers, Marcus Holt and Bruce Goff. Justin Adams is our Mastering Engineer, and Megan Martin is our Production Coordinator. Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week.